Good day. Welcome to Lie Smash with your host, Luther. I appreciate you tuning in to this podcast. Haven't made a podcast in several weeks. Prior to that, I uh, was kind of going through the book of the Revelation and some end time things that are taking place in our country, in our world. And today I'd like to do a throwback and uh, to a message that I preached many years ago that is very timely that I think I I would like to share on the podcast today. Psalms 80, if you found your place, say amen. I'm going to read one verse. We pretty much, we read the whole chapter this morning. You probably remember some of it, probably not all of it. But my focus tonight is going to be on verse 12. So I'm going to read uh, Psalms 80, verse 12, and I'm going to flip over and read one verse in Isaiah 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 2. Uh, you can write it down and read, read it later. Why hast thou then broken down her hedges? Now this is a question, but it's also, it's also putting out the present condition of Israel. Why hast thou broken down her hedges? so that all they which pass by the way do pluck her. Flip over to Isaiah 5, or I'm going to read Isaiah 5, verse 2 to you. And he fenced it, and gathered out the stones thereof, and planted it with the choicest vine, and built a tower in the midst of it. Now the tower is a watch tower. And it says, and he built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a wine press therein, that's the blessings, and he looked, and it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. So God fenced it, his, his vineyard, which is the hedge of protection that God put around it. And he also put a tower right in the middle of it. That's God's watchful eye and God's perimeter of security. God came looking for some fruit. After all God did, he came looking for some fruit. Came looking for some grapes, but he found wild grapes. Tonight I want to answer the question, has God lowered the hedge of protection of America? Well, if we look in these verses, I said this morning, I believe that there's a parallel between Israel in America, I believe as most scholars that I talk to, as most commentators that I read behind, as most preachers that I talk to, we're all of the same opinion based on uh, education, I guess you'd say, and experience, that when you read some things about Israel, to some degree it's a, it's a prophecy concerning later years. It's a prophecy concerning the future of a, of, a, of a people yet to be. So I believe that we can compare some of the things that happened to Israel in this present moment to the things that are happening in America today. There is no doubt, there is no question that in this verse, God put the hedge of protection down. Let me define hedge of protection. If you go back to the book of Job and you read, Job, you read where Satan came before God. 
He made many accusations against Job, such as, if you, uh, uh, he only serves you because of what you do for him. And I can't get near him because you've got a hedge of protection around him. God said, go and do what you will to him, but you can't touch his soul. So in order for Satan to get through, to do any damage, to do any destruction, to do any of the depraved things that he wanted to do, the hedge had to be lowered. I say if we read in these verses, we find in verse 3, Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. This Bible tells us clearly the favor of God was gone. The favor of God. If we look in these verses and we look at the history of Israel, we saw the favor of God was prosperity. We saw that God blessed in monetary ways. God blessed with His presence. Here in this chapter, God was silent to His people. God was silent. God's blessings were gone because God's favor was gone. What makes God's favor leave? Sin makes God's favor leave. If we search back through uh, America, we could, we could pinpoint exact times in history where man began to turn his back on God. When man turned his back on God, like Adam in the Garden of Eden, God cannot, God will not ever look at sin. When man chooses sin over God, God turns his face away. God cannot look at sin. I'm preaching to us as a national people. This is a national message in our ears. America as a nation turned her back on God. We could pinpoint certain times through the 50s, through the 60s, through the 70s, through the 80s, to the 90s, all the way up to, to the 21st century. We could pinpoint back to whenever we put abortion into uh, Roe v. Wade, where it became okay for a woman to kill her child. Oh, I said kill. It became legal. God said the thing that makes Him uh, want to bring judgment is shedding of innocent blood. America has, has aborted some millions of babies every single year. The church has sat back, allowed the school systems to be taken over. The church has sat back and allowed God to be put out of our culture. Allowed God to be put out of our educational system. The school systems now say that they don't want any mentions of Jesus Christ in the school systems. So we put God, the Lord Jesus Christ, out of the school. We took prayer out, then we put policemen in. When God's favor is gone, there's nothing but chaos, destruction, and devastation. We, through the annals of history, can look and see where man began to turn his back on God in favor of him being his own God. We implemented in the, in the early 20th century evolution. Evolution began to filter into our school systems. Evolution became the elitist doctrine for how to live your life. It's nothing more, Peter said, than a denial, a willful denial of a creator. Because if there's a creator, there's accountability. And if there's accountability, you've got to live a certain standard, a certain way. So man chose in his own will to deny God to choose the religion of evolution. Man's put God out intentionally. What's happened in our school systems? Fifty years ago, the, the most uh, heinous offense in school systems was chewing chewing gum. 
Today, we've got metal detectors at the front doors. Now listen, <coughs> if you think I'm being dramatic and riding this thing a little too hard, that's just how it is. We've got metal detectors at the front doors of our schools. We've got our kids who've been brainwashed completely against you, mother and father, against the family system, against the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a statistic that 80% of our kids... Whenever they get up to the, to the age of 18, graduate from high school, and go off to college, 80% of them children who were raised in a Christian home never return back to a church house ever again. Why is that? Well, we've got our kids who go off to the colleges where we think it is so critical and so crucial that our kids go off to college. Listen, th th this is completely out of the mainstream what I'm fixing to say. We're in an economy that cannot sustain the workforce that it has now. We're in an economy where lawyers outweigh doctors 20 to 1. We're in a culture, in a society, where people who are so educated cannot find a job, but they're two and $300,000 in debt for education. But what do we do? We still got to push them into the cycle, into the system. You got to be educated. You got to be educated. Why do you have to go and get, instead of educated, indoctrinated by the world system? All it is is a lure and a pull and an indoctrination away from God. Listen, I never claimed to be no smart guy. I never claimed to be nobody. I'm up here telling you what is obvious. The obvious is our school systems are completely alienating our children from God, from the family, and from anything related to spiritual guidance and help in their lives. Amen. Well, I could go on and on. I want to get to, to the communion tonight, but this Bible tells us God's favor was gone. How could these things happen in America? If God's favor is still on us, how can it be that our kids have gone so far away. If God's favor is still on us, how can it be that our systems are so corrupted and so polluted? And how can it be that the churches in America have sold out the Word of God for the social agendas? I saw a sign the other day that said, God's Garden, United Methodist Church, God's Garden. They're growing fruits and vegetables to feed people and by and large never telling them about their soul and about heaven and about hell. God said I came looking for grapes and I found wild grapes. When God comes looking at the average church, what does He find? He finds a bunch of hypocrisy. He finds a bunch of people that would not know Him if He walked through the front door. But yet we've got some wild grapes. We claim to be the greatest Christian nation on the face of the planet. Whenever we put our God out in the street and took Him to the borders of the universe and said, get out of here, we don't need you anymore. And the church is just as guilty as Washington is. We come in and put on our best faces. We don't even put on our best clothes anymore. I'm just going to go to church anyway I want to. We come dressed in, just like we're going to a ball game. 
No reverence, no fear of God. God's favor is on us. What's wrong with us? God's favor had left them. He said in this verse, Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and then we'll be saved. You can't be saved. America cannot have any help in its prosperity, in its economics, unless God shines His face on us again. Israel was prosperous for one reason. In the revolution of America, it was a revolution. In the economic revolution, it was successful in prosperity over one reason. Men and women feared God. Men and women asked God's blessings. Men and women obeyed God in America and asked God to help us. Now we don't need God. If God's face is on us, what's wrong with our economics? We can't get ahead. It's like putting our money in a bag with a hole in it. As soon as you get it, you owe 10 or 12 people and you ain't got enough to pay a half a person. The percentage of, of our outgo outweighs our income by 200 to 300% anymore. And it's getting worse. If God's favor is on America, what's wrong economically? If God's favor is on America... Why do we have all the problems we got? Every other day there's another scandal in Washington. Every other day there's something to, to make you plumb delusional. There's something to make you your head spin like you don't even, your mind is blown by all the things going on in Washington. There's so many problems, problem after problem after problem created by our own government. Insomuch that our people are so suppressed and oppressed to the point of fear that we will not speak out politically anymore about what is right or what is wrong and fear the government, the IRS, coming after us and putting us in prison. And we know we can't afford to fight Washington. We don't have the billions and billions of dollars. They'll go after people and they'll make people feel so guilty about things that they shouldn't feel guilty for. They'll bring charges against people. Do you know that in our country today, they say that every person... Every one of you sitting in this room are guilty of three federal offenses every day. The way the laws are written, you're a criminal and you're a crook. We're at the mercy of the government if they want to come into your house and they want to say some accusation against you, it's already on the books, everything we do. And they put a law against everything we do that every one of us commits three felonies every day. I don't understand it, neither do you. And we have subjected ourselves to Facebook. What's the government doing in Utah? They've built the biggest filtration system of the, of, of the internet, the whole computer system, the biggest one in the whole world is over in, in Utah. They scan everything that you do. Google sold out to the government. Facebook is sold out to the government. Facebook does these manipulative tests on everybody on Facebook. And they do these certain little programs. They'll change your your news that you're getting with a smiley face or a sad face, they'll change it depending on you as an individual whether they want you to have good news or bad news. Because they want to try to control the moods of the people. It's government manipulation. It's called population control. If we have God's favor, why is that happening? Every other day there's a new scandal. 
Every other day, there's so much hellish wickedness that rises up. God's favor was gone from these people. Listen, I'm not going to say whether God's hedge is down or not. I'm putting forth the evidence and you make the choice. If God's favor is not gone, why do we have the perils and the dangers that we have? How many of you are not afraid to sleep with your doors unlocked? How many of you is not afraid to ride down the road in town with your car doors unlocked? How many of you either has or has anticipated getting a gun, putting it in your house if you don't have one? Every one of us. What's the government try to do? Pass laws against guns. You know who carries guns? EPA. You know who carries guns? The IRS. Every federal, federal agency carries a weapon. But they want to pass laws for you, John Q. Public, and the citizens, we the people, not to have guns. We're in fear of our lives. Listen, why do we have all the perils and the dangers if God's favor is still on us? Go back to the 50s. When I was a little boy, I'd ride my bicycle anywhere in the world I wanted to go with no fear. I rode my bicycle anywhere I wanted to go. Well, you say that was then. Hello, genius. Why do we have the dangers and the perils if God's favor is still on us? The Bible says, Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and then we'll be saved. God's got to turn America. God's got to turn us. We can't turn ourselves. When I get to the end of this, I'm going to tell you the turning point that each individual must do to get God's favor and God's face back on us. And it is up to us. God's not depending on Barack Hussein Obama. God's not depending on him. Several years ago, the, the, the second time he was reelected, I had been praying, everybody I know had been praying for the, a different outcome to the election. I was so depressed that night, I cried. I mean, I sobbed uncontrollably. I said, God, I don't understand this. I don't know what's going on. And God spoke to me the next day, and He said, Son, everybody's got their attention on a man. People need their attention put on me. We expected a man to walk into the White House and solve all the problems of America. Listen, the world will look for that man. He's called the Antichrist. We, as the church, we as Christian people, need to look to God. Our solution comes from heaven, not from Washington. Washington is the problem. God is the answer. God's favor was gone. God's fury had gathered. Verse 4. O Lord God of hosts, how long wilt thou be angry against the prayer of thy people? Now that's a scary verse. How long will thou be angry with the prayer of thy people? You can understand if you're off somewhere doing things that are wrong and God's anger is kindled against you. But God's anger here was kindled against the prayer of His people. What's that mean? James says 
that whenever we pray, and we pray to consume it upon our own lusts, we in this country, we pray by our own lusts. We pray to consume things for ourselves. We don't pray like Jesus did. Satan put forth in Isaiah the five I wills of Satan. Satan said, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Jesus came in the garden of Gethsemane and he said, not my will, but thy will be done. How many of us pray, thy will be done in my life? How many of us bow a knee and say, God, work in my life? God, perform your will through my life. And God, if I don't have clothes to wear like Paul said, God, I've learned to be content therewith in whatever state I'm in. How many of us pray that God's will be done? We pray to consume things upon our own lust. Listen, I'm going to tell you something tonight. I prayed 20-some years ago when my daddy was sick with cancer. I prayed and asked God to heal my daddy. I didn't know no reason why God wouldn't heal my daddy. My daddy was the greatest Christian man I've ever known in my life. I couldn't understand why such a good godly man, such a good man, was stricken with a life-killing disease and God wouldn't touch him and heal him. I couldn't understand that. Well, my daddy didn't get healed. My daddy died and has been in heaven for over 20 years. It took me five years to come to the place to finally grieve over that. I was laying flat on my back in the emergency room at Baptist Hospital when God finally got a hold of my heart. And God spoke to me. And God told me, He said, Son, even death can be my will. He said, Your daddy did get healed. He's with me and he's healed and he's whole. Listen, even death can be God's will. Jesus said, Even unto death, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Man, we live in such self-absorbed condition that if we stump our toe, we blame God for putting a pebble on the ground. We blame God for everything that goes wrong instead of saying, God, help me to be content in whatever condition state I'm in. Listen, if God's uh, fury kindled against them for their prayers, what must God's fury be to us today? Now listen, I know you feel like I'm probably railing on you a little too much tonight. I'm just preaching. I'm just raring back and saying what God put on my heart. God's fury was gathered because they had the wild grapes. They had the wild fruit. God came looking. God planted America. God put a fence of hedge around America. God put a tower. You know what the tower is? It's the church house. God put preachers in a pulpit to watch over America. God put men in a pulpit to watch to heaven the representatives, the priest who represents God to the people and the people to God. And what we do, we tore it down. We ran God out of His own vineyard. We said we can do it our way. We had our universities and our colleges and our schools where we learned how to preach. Instead of an old boy, an old country boy, an old redneck, if you will, finding one day that he was lost 
and God saving him, God calling him, God gifting him, and God giving him to a church house. No, we had our own way of doing it. What kind of pedigrees do you have? Not do you know Jesus. Not have you ever been saved. Give me some evidence in your life that you know Jesus. No, how many pedigrees do you have? What kind of doctrines do you have on your wall? You know, we won't even read a book, a Christian book, unless it has Dr. So-and-so on it. We won't pick up a book unless it has the credentials of some man. Listen, the tower in the middle of the vineyard was the church house. The church house is the watchtower for America. Without the church house, brother, the enemies come in and invade. The enemies come in and destroy and tear up America. And what did we do? We walked off the job. We put God out. And God said, look, the hedge is there. You put me out. I'm bringing my hedge down. What happened at 9-11? In the history of America, we always fought our wars on foreign soil. September the 11th, 2001, my wife and my children and I, just a few months prior to that, stood on the World Trade Towers at the very top. Just a few months before they came down. We stood on those towers. I had a direct association, fresh in my memory, of what took place because I stood there and looked over the side of that building holding on real tight, looking down 110 stories. Listen, that couldn't have happened if the watchtower had been in place. You say you're crazy. Listen, join the club. Everybody's got that opinion. That couldn't have happened. Hadn't happened ever before. What happened now? We put God out. Listen, the Bible says judgment begins at the house of God. Judgment begins on our front door. We are responsible for America as Christian people. It would never have happened if the watchtower was standing tall. We traded off the watchtower to the Jehovah Witnesses. They have the watchtower ministry. Like it means anything. They exceeded their quota in 1947. 144,000. They believe they're grafted in Jews. They think that they're converted Jews and 144,000 are going to heaven. They exceeded that in 1947. Well, old uh, Stevens or whatever his name was made the prediction that Jesus Christ was going to come and set his kingdom up in 1947 and he didn't do it. Hello? So they had to change everything around and make it now the watchtower ministry. That their select few and within themselves they fight over who's the best, who's the better, who's he going to choose when he comes back. Listen, we got the truth. Truth said, for whosoever will. For whosoever will, let him call upon the name of the Lord and he shall be saved. Listen, we've let it down. We've let it go. We've given to the fear. We've given to the favor of people. We've compromised what God said and the watchtower come down. If the watchtower was still in place, the hedges would still be high. Listen, I know it's hard. I know this is cruel. Everything in the Bible ain't positive. There's some negatives. If you want power from a battery, there's a positive and a negative. If you want the voltage supply from that source, you've got to take the positive and the negative. You can't pick and choose from this book. You've got to take positive and negative. Positive and negative gives you the results to make something go and something happen. Listen. 
Not only his fury was gathered, but their food was grief. Verse 5. Thou feedest them with the bread of tears and givest them tears to drink in great measure. You know what that comes from? Heaven closing up its doors. Heaven cannot look upon the sin and the stench and the foul of what's going on in America. People are oppressed. I said earlier, there are people weeping in tears. And the Bible says clear here. Thou feedest them with the bread of tears and givest them tears to drink in great measure. That is sorrow. That is grief. Listen, we don't have to have the sorrow and grief that we have. We don't have to endure the hardships and the trials and the tribulations in America, in the church house that we do. But we choose them. We choose them, rather we choose the things against God. And we make so many choices against God. And we get so far away that our soul becomes sorrowful. Our soul gets so trapped in sin and the drugs. You know, I know, I know some families right now tonight that cry, the mother cries herself to sleep every night over her children. Cries so much that her eyes swell shut. Her tears. And if you track back to the generation maybe one generation ago. And you see how we had it all figured out. We didn't bring our kids to the house of God. No. We weren't faithful. We didn't stand in character with nothing to shake us. We didn't walk by faith as the Bible says. We had everything going for us. The prosperity was there. We didn't need God. Our kids were watching us. The kids were observing the actions of the ones who say that they know God and they saw nothing real there. Mamas and daddies today cry themselves to sleep over their children who have left and went away from God because we did not do what we were supposed to do. I've experienced some of that. When your kids get of a certain age, every mistake you made is going to show up. You pray for the good things to be instilled. But I'm going to tell you, them bad things that you didn't really think about, they show up. It embarrasses you to death. You cry to God, Lord, I'm sorry. I really didn't understand. But the responsibility falls on us. Why do we have the tears today for what happened yesterday? We get to a point as a result of that, that we give up on God. But it's what we initiated. It's what we're actually uh, reaping from. And we give up on God because it began with us. Can I tell you, if there's ever a problem, it's not with God. Amen. If I could have made you mad, let me move on. His fury was gathered. Their food was grief. There was sorrow. Heaven was silent. They prayed their prayers. God never moved. God never worked on the behalf of the people. 
in this country. I have not heard of a great revival since the 80s. Have you? I've not heard of a great revival. I've not seen a great move of God in years. Even you yourself have, made the, have had the thought in your prayer life, it's not getting above the ceiling. We're in that condition today. It seems that God no longer pays attention to us. It seems that we're on autopilot trying to do it ourselves. There's no great push. There's no great move. There's no great unction like used to be. But I'm going to say this to you. If we will get serious with God, if we will commit ourselves to God like I preached a few weeks ago, and every day, no matter what, like Job said, though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. If we'll get serious with God and say, Lord, if it takes my life, I'm willing to lay it down because I want Your will to be done in my life. And we come to that place, I'm going to tell you right now, heaven will open wide, we'll hear angels singing, we'll see God's hand moving and see God working. And God will honor our faith towards Him. They that come unto Him must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them who diligently seek Him. I'm closing up now. Faith was grave. Thou makest us a strife unto our neighbors. And our enemies laugh among themselves. Faith was grave. What do you mean by that? There was no faith. They had no faith toward God. Look at America. Our neighbors create strife. What's he talking about? 100,000 people a year come across the border illegally. I heard yesterday that Obama arrested 1,000 illegals at the border of Texas. He arrested 1,000. Because they were trying to escape to go back to Mexico. And he says, no, that's illegal. That's supposed to be a joke. They're coming over by the hundreds of thousands. What's that doing to our system? What's it doing to you? Strife. We have now the government has taken over our health care. Why? Our system's overrun. We can't handle these big bills. We can't handle all our neighbors. Now these ain't enemies. These are neighbors. Neighbors to the south. They're coming in and flooding us. Why is that? The hedge is down. It's creating strife amongst us. Financial strife. Strife between government. Strife between certain parties. There's strife in America. Listen, if the hedge is still up, why is the strife there? We're reading here. As a result of the hedge being down, strife was there. He says our enemies laugh at us. Benghazi. They told us it was a video. They told us that this poor innocent man was arrested for making a video 
and upsetting the Muslims to the point that they went orchestrated with this riot at our embassy in Benghazi. I'm talking grenade launchers. These were the fiercest fellows in the uh, terrorist organizations that went against Benghazi. They told us it was a video. The people around the world laughed at us. We just recently traded five of our worst offender terrorists for one traitor of the U.S. Army. One traitor. Our enemies stood laughing in the streets at us. Who has any doubt that those five will get right back into it? They made the statements to each other over in Afghanistan. High-fiving, we'll see you in New York. That's just been a few weeks ago. Our enemies are laughing at us. Listen, why am I telling you this? Listen, we've got to be shook out of our sleep. We've had our head in the sand way too long. Listen, I don't know why God put me here in this church. I don't know why God put you here in this church. I don't know why God does what He does. But I know one thing, brother. We better wake up. We better smell the coffee. We better understand that this world around us is exactly what it is. And God is angry. And God is sick of our playing church. God is sick of us playing a good Christian. We need to get a hold of Him, know who He is, and ask God to shine His face on us one more time. You say it can't be done. If it couldn't be done, you'd be in heaven right now because the rapture had already took place. God said, I'm holding back the opposing forces. He who now letteth will let. That means he who now restrains will restrain until he be taken out of the way. He is the Holy Ghost. On, in Acts chapter 2, the church was born. In Acts chapter 2, what was the birthday of the church? The regenerate power of the Holy Ghost descended from heaven, sat upon 120 in the upper room. They were indwelled by the Holy Ghost of God. Listen, you can't be born again unless you're regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the new birth. He is the one who's in this world holding back the evil. When we see the evil, we better understand, brother, that it's pretty close. If we couldn't do it, we'd be in heaven today because God would have raptured the church out of here and we'd be up yonder. God's going to hold back, but God don't expect us to lay down and go to sleep. We can do something. God expects us to do something. You say, what can I do? We can live holy. We can live with character. We can tell others about the truth of the Word of God and not be intimidated and embarrassed and say, God, you called me. You made me a witness. I want to serve you out of, out of, in, in a courageous way instead of living my life in fear to tell anybody about you and to stand up for truth and right. I don't want to fear man. But God, I want your favor. I'm going to tell you what, brother. If the churches in America get serious, listen, I believe God will rebuild that hedge. I believe God will restore the watchtower, which is the church. And America can be what God intended it to be. 
Listen, God's blessed America. And God's blessed America because America honored God. Thank you for listening.